Hi, and welcome to Aspect Ratio Projects One to One. My name is Jennifer Armetta, and I'm the director of the gallery. Aspect Ratio Projects is a contemporary art gallery located in Chicago. We represent emerging and mid-career conceptual artists from around the world. This is our series of podcasts that we look at as sort of our informal fireside chat with our artists. Time to get personal, have some fun, and learn about art and our artists. I'm happy to be speaking with Jovan C. Speller, who is newly on board, actually, and has a lot going on that I'm really looking forward to covering that. Thank you to Darby Jack Gustafson, our associate intern, for producing this event today. Hello, Jovan. How are you? Hi, Jennifer. I'm, I'm doing great. And it's always really nice to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you. Likewise. I know we are no shortage of words. <laughs> between that is two for of us. sure. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the very first time we met, we have been having hours long conversations, which is, is always a good sign to be, you know, in company with people that you really enjoy. It's true. I know that's true. And I'm so glad actually you brought that up because we met, well, I guess it was a, uh, it was last September maybe. And it was just a, it was an introduction from another artist and I was coming up to just meet you and see your work, kind of a studio visit. And right then and there, maybe you want to tell the story. <laughs> it did happen. It did happen. I guess that was around, yeah, I think you're right. It was about September of 2020. And I was in the, a group exhibition at New Studio Gallery, which mm-hmm. was, I guess that was like their debut exhibition, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And that was a three-person installation show. And so that was so fun because I had all of these um, ideas about what uh, I wanted to do in terms of expanding my work into more multidisciplinary works. So I had been invited to participate in this three-person installation exhibition at the New Studio Gallery in St. Paul, and it was their debut exhibition, I believe. And it was really nice for me because I was able to show some of the ideas that I had been kicking around with regard to installation art. And one of the things that I had on my mind was this concept that I had been thinking about for about a year, I guess, around that time. And it was for sounds of survival. And I really wanted to kind of create this really immersive space where people could like come in and feel something specific. And so this was one of the iterations of sounds for survival that I had done and kind of like my pilot sounds for survival. And so that's where you and I met. That was like in the middle of what, right after after the uh, George Floyd murder, right um, right after the uprising here in Minneapolis and within the pandemic and um, within the space of folks really trying to figure out like what what can we do? What kind of spaces do we need to create for, for artists, for community? And so it was this really opportune time for me to, to really try out this exhibition and installation and kind of bring about healing. Mm-hmm. And then it also brought about you and I's relationship, right? Like <laughs> us kind of coming together. And so I, the reason I bring that up, it's just like, this was a space for me to not only bring about healing, but also I met so many new people I didn't think I was going to do that within with, within the middle of a pandemic, right? In this right. Like really socially distanced space, masked, right? right. <laughs> like, exactly. Um, and and like kind of like one person every thirty minutes. I think that like you and I halfway through our meeting realized that we had already met before, 
right at a brunch like maybe the year before or the summer before or something like that mm-hmm. and and then you know we talked for so long that we got kicked out of the space <laughs> right we did trying, yeah they were doing like flu shots or something like that for the staff um at that at the like they were yeah so they were like can you just move I don't know somewhere else and we ended up <laughs> continuing our conversation into the hallway. So anyway, it was just, you know, it was just really great to meet you and I, and it was just an instant connection. And so I've, I've appreciated that from, from that moment. Thank you. I know me too. I, um, I mean, I could tell that we were going to really hit it off, but I think that's such an important part that oftentimes gets overlooked in these relationships with gallery and artists. And I mean, for me, you know, because we discussed this, it's, it's very collaborative. It's a partnership. We work together, you know, to accomplish your goals. And if you don't have that connection, it's hard to keep, you know, it's hard to stay in it long-term, I think. And so oftentimes I, I contemplate like, how do you, how do you keep you know, for lack of a better way to describe it, like the roster of artists that you begin working with, how do you keep that going for an extended period of time? And it just comes back down to that simple thing, it's connection. And the fact that we were able to have that, as you pointed out, in a time when connections were supposed to be so difficult and we're all so separated um, was really meaningful. So I'm very grateful as well. Um, And I loved the exhibition. I wanna touch on that because it did incorporate a number of different facets in your practice. And I, we see a lot of your photography and we can talk about how your photography, um, you make unique works versus additioned works, generally speaking. Um, but this was about an installation and sound. And so you sort of touched on it, but when you're coming up with like what you want to do in an exhibition or in a show, how does that formulate in your head? So I think every everything that I create is a response to something. Either it's a response to something that I'm curious about, or it's a response to something that's going on in my life or the lives of the community around me. And so I think when the idea first sparked for this particular installation for Sounds for Survival, there was a lot happening in my world. And so I, I won't, I, I'll try not to get too detailed. I can be very detailed, but- um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but I, um, I had, let's see, I just had my first child. My husband and I had just gotten married, but that was within the context of, him being, it's called an expedited removal rather than a deportation where he was coming back into the country to visit, but also we were engaged at the time. And so we were planning our wedding. I was pregnant and it was at a time where, I mean, I don't know when the U.S. has had a time with Cuba that's like not difficult, but (laughs) we were having a difficult time with Cuba. And so a lot of um, Cuban residents that were, or or citizens that were trying to come and visit the U.S. were subjected to expedited removals and he was one of them. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine what you went through. I was pregnant at the time. So it was (laughs) even more bonkers. And so um, just like emotionally, like trying to contain myself and breathe and meditate through all of the feelings that I was having for, you know, another eight months or so. Yeah, that was, that was harsh. And so we, we, he was, we were separated for a little over two years, I think, because he came he was finally oh. able to get into the country when our firstborn was about 14 months. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was that long. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was tough. Yeah. So then we're in the situation where he's an instant, like present father to a 14 month old rambunctious awesome <laughs> kid. <laughs> I'm, I'm working full time at a nonprofit uh, grant administrator. And then, mm -hmm. and then I'm also a practicing artist and he has to get used to this new country. Wow. And we have to get married without his family here, like all of these feelings. And I was just so consumed with, we're, we have to make it through. We have to make it through. We have to make it through. Like what, what could we do to make this more easeful and spacious and peaceful and harmonious? And like, what can we do to just amplify those things? Mm -hmm. And so I had this idea the initial idea was to purchase, what are those? Those steel containers. Do you know oh, right. The round ones or no? No, like the, like a shipping container. That's what it oh. is. Like the, like, like oh. a, yeah, this is the original idea. Large. Like a, like a, yeah. Like a 10 <laughs> to 20 foot shipping container. Okay. And <laughs> this was really like, it was, it was an art installation, but it was also like for our family. We were going to get two. And I was going to, we were each going to fill each of these containers with the things that we needed in order to survive. The sounds, the smells, the, the textures, all of the things, that the temperature, right? So right, everything yeah. that we would need to feel like we were being um, enveloped with healing. That's what we were going to create. And so then that sparked this idea, like, well, what would that look like in like a public space? Like, how could you, how could you create like this kind of space for survival? Um, mm -hmm. Like a moment, a, a momentary kind of like interruption that's set in a public space that folks happen upon during their busy, stressful lives where they can at least have like a moment of serenity and healing. So that was the original idea. And I, I, I still would love to do that. But so this exhibition did give me a chance to create a moment of healing. That's kind of like where it started and what the impetus was and the drive to, to, to create this kind of uh, immersive experience. So that installation, the one that I ended up doing for New Studio Gallery had kind of these two sides calling to each other, right? I felt like at that time with everything that was going on within the community, specifically here, there was a need to, for me to look forward and to reinforce and remind that Black culture already has built in spaces for healing and that, that kind of like sacred uh, ancestry and nurturing, that feeling of nurturing. Um, I wanted to kind of, you know, reinforce that that was already ex within existence and, and established within Black community. And so on one side of the gallery, I hung a photograph of um, it just looks like it's a 40 by 40 image of the woods, mm -hmm. but that space is, at least those woods are, are where some of my ancestors are buried. They're unmarked graves. And below that, I kind of created like an altar. And those were the stones. I put just a pile of black uh, river stones underneath that photograph. 
And then there was all of these reflective black surfaces around on the walls, on you know, uh, the wall to the side of that installation and then across the room. And across the room, there was also the, a record player on top of a pile of sand, black mm -hmm. sand, which actually photographs gold, which I'm not mad at. But right. <laughs> if you look at the photographs, it looks gold, but, um, but it was on top of a pile of black sand, kind of like it was washing ashore. Mm -hmm. And on the record player, it was the sound of a friend of mine singing Yema Yase Su. So it was like calling home is, is what I was trying to evoke in that space. So yeah, so that's where we met. <laughs> yes, no, I know. And it was, I have to say, it was really beautiful installation. And the thing that struck me standing there and meeting you was something you said, and I, I think I've shared this with you, but, you know, your practice, you deal, you know, a lot with historical things that impacted you and your family directly. And you're dealing with not always the easiest topics, I guess I'll say it that way. But you said something to me um, standing there that you, and I think maybe I had commented on how beautiful the installation was. Um, and you said, I want to deal with these topics, but also present them in a way, I don't know if you use the word elegant, but it was kind of, it was like that I can easily, not easily, but are consumable and you, people can live with and take in and process and like, and event, you know, and learn from. And so that thread definitely runs through your practice. And, you know, we were in our show Fever Dream and that image, you know, the cotton field, I'll let you talk about it and maybe talk about how you layer photographs and they're unique, but that was not dealing with the easiest topic, um, clearly, but it was an incredibly beautiful image. Yeah. So what's cool about it is that, uh, you know, all of those images are actually from the same land. So the 40 by 40 black and white photograph of the woods where, you know, the unmarked graves, that's literally across the street from that cotton field. So, and then the house that's layered on top of the cotton field is about a quarter mile away, just kind of like around the corner, all dirt roads. <laughs> like in North Carolina, the, right? Exactly. North in Windsor. Yeah. In Windsor, North Carolina, like follow the dirt road and you'll, you'll find it. Yeah. So, so that was just, you know, me kind of trying to uh, capture this history, you know, the history of some of some of my ancestry and some of my family history related to that particular land and the people who lived there and the lives that they led, the land that they owned, and kind of like who remains and what remains. And so and like what stories like got kind of planted in that soil out there. And so, you know, I originally went out there to to really understand that space and then found so many relatives who still live there. And so I'm like, man, like this is a really this this doing this kind of historical research and family research and archiving is is really complex work. And so if I'm trying to de depict these complex stories visually, I don't know if a single image is going to do it. I don't know if a series is going to do it. So I started trying to, to weave together the narratives that I was um, hearing, you know, while interviewing family members, but also just the feelings that I was getting from being in these spaces where, you know, my ancestors labored as enslaved people. And so that kind of led to that technique of not just accepting this still image, but really layering on like, this is something that happened, you know, within mm -hmm. this space or for that, that image in particular is the cotton field. 
and a shed that's kind of on top of or within the cotton field. And so the cotton field is, you know, it's it's a part of, I call it the Speller Plantation. It's off of Speller Ferry Way, which oh. is, yeah. So like, that's the name of the street that it's on. Right. So, yeah. So I don't know, you know, what it was called, you know, um, during that time, I couldn't find record of, of that. But I think it, you know, it, it describes what happened there pretty pretty well. So uh, yeah, so there's, but the thing that's fascinating to me is that that image of the cotton field is not a historical image, right? Like I took it a couple of years ago. Right. (laughs) So like there's still cotton growing there. Wasn't that like, there's still cotton. And you know, I mean, every um, season they'll, they'll, they'll change, you know, the, the main crop. I think that one of the years that I went out there, there was soybean growing um but really yeah yeah so it's so I don't know if those are the only two crops that they that they deal with now who the people who are still on that land it's not my family on the land anymore so the last time that I went the the cotton was being harvested and so I took that shot so that image (sighs) of the cotton field is like at the the cotton when it's when you know the the plant itself is pretty dried out the cotton's popping out and the next thing is for the the machines to come and, and collect it. And so, but then I, you know, that that land is across from the last house that my uh, great grandfather lived in and the last bit of property that we owned as a family. And so the, the shed, the portion of the shed is still standing. It's just around the corner, like I said, from that cotton field, but that's the first home that my grandfather um, lived in and farmed and he was a, a hog farmer. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So it was really just like putting, like housing these stories, like it's almost providing shelter for some of these stories. So mm-hmm. I think that's what that entire, like all of the imagery from that series ended up being about housing these stories and housing these narratives and trying to find a way for them to be protected and remembered and kind of memorialized. You know, if I, mm-hmm. if I create some sort of shelter for the story, then maybe they will remain. I think that that's what ended up happening. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about that as I was doing it, but I'm now, I'm like, I'm like flipping through all of the images in my mind and I'm like, oh, I don't right. think that initially I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to put a house in every image, but that is what I did. But and you did. Yeah. And then for the images that don't have houses, I built a house <laughs> for the images to hang in, right? That's the yes. one in the Plains Museum right now. Exactly. So that's, that's funny to have that realization right now. Yeah. You know, um, we did a podcast with Cameron Gaynor and we were talking about process and he does a lot of research and time spent, you know, on these, these big uh, scientific endeavors, we'll just say. And I was asking him kind of the same thing, like, so do you have everything planned out? Do you know what's going to happen? he's like, no, I just kind of get an idea. And then it, it goes, but somehow it all gels together. And you just pretty much said the same thing. Yeah. 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 And everything flows into each other. Like all of the research, all of the curiosities, all of the series from one to the next, they all flow into each other and expand on not, I don't think they tell the same story, but there's a thread that just tugs Mm -hmm. through each of the series. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, yeah. And you're very thoughtful about that. Like when we're talking about your upcoming show here this summer, you know, we've had some conversations and you, you, I'm not asking you to give it away, you know, but you, you came up with a theme or a thread. And so I think that that's interesting to work that way because there are other artists that don't. I've asked them like, well, what curatorially, what are we looking at for the show? What are you thinking? You know, do you want me to put together a thread? And, and one artist said to 
to me recently. He said, oh, the thread is just that it's my work. Oh, <laughs> man, I hope to get to that place. I, I I, and I, that's, that's goals. That's goals, know. you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love to just be like, oh no, I just made it because I felt like making it. So exactly. Therefore it's made, you know, one day, one day. One day. You'll get there. You'll yeah, get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. But maybe you won't get there. Maybe that's not, you know, maybe you'll just keep expanding on your stories and looking back and, or whatever it is. And that's yeah, kind that's, of part of the that's journey. That's more likely. That's more likely. We'll see. <laughs> exhausting no joke like you can look I can look back on the work and get really excited and and say wow like it's amazing how that came together and you know maybe all along it looks like I'm I know what I'm doing but I I rarely do so it's (laughs) nice to be able to look back and feel that way but in the moment like right now making this this work for these next two upcoming shows I can tell you it is it's exhausting because my head never stops going it's like oh like what about this corner did you lift this rock to see what was underneath did you explore that avenue yet you know and so I I took a I took a selfie maybe a couple of months ago it was me holding my youngest my 10 month old and I posted it on Instagram and I was like this is what it looks like when I'm making my work you know like like (laughs) like when I I spend about what 10 to 15 percent of my time in this studio actually physically making things with my hands Mm -hmm. but the thing is already done in my head before I get to that point I never stop thinking about what I'm making right (laughs) It's that would exhausting. be exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's, you know, it's just a part of who I am, I guess, at this point. But it's, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I will say I work like that, too. Like, I if I'm, you know, if I'm speaking or I'm doing something, I do run through it just constantly in my head, no matter what I'm doing, like I'm working out or I'm making dinner for the kids or whatever hat, you know, we wind up wearing it's, I have a similar process, but I just don't make art because I can barely draw a stick figure. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) That's why why you're behind the lens. Exactly. (laughs) Real talk. No, for real. If you, if you saw all of my uh, birthday cards, don't ask me why, but our family has a weird tradition. My immediate family has a weird tradition of drawing pictures and all of our birthday cards and none of us can draw so they're just stick figures like years and years and years and decades of stick figures it's pretty great oh we should gosh. have that That's exhibition oh my god exactly there you go there you go yes. <laughs> oh my gosh I bet they're cute though they're awesome they're awesome so then in school you never took a like a drawing painting type oh of class? I did yeah oh. so I studied at Micah first at Maryland right. College of Art. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I'm just going to put myself on blast, but I got into Micah conditionally. They were like, your photography portfolio is awesome, but like, you can't draw. <laughs> so, cause you know, you have to submit drawings as well as, as you know, whatever your, your, your intended major was going to be, because that was their focus. At least when I went there was drawing and painting. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do a summer of painting and drawing prior to the fall semester. It was like your summer school. Yeah, I had to do summer <laughs> school. I had to do like pre-summer college. Like, in a- <laughs> so that's funny. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but so, but I will say I'm, I am pretty good at painting. I'm, I cannot draw, but it's, it's like a matter of line versus like chunks of color and like shades and shapes, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So I can, I can figure out shapes. I cannot figure out lines. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a funny story. Mm -hmm. But you know, maybe when you were saying like how you had to prepare to get in and submit all these things, like you are a master 
of grants and awards. Well, uh, you, <laughs> I hope to be. There's a few I'm still trying to get, but yep. Yep. You, I mean, and you know, that's a part of, you know, artists' lives that people don't really think about all that often. I think, you know, it's like you take this path, you go to school, you, you know, whatever the path is, but that's a huge part of what artists do, whether you're just starting out, whether you're a few years in, or you've been around for a long time, artists are constantly applying for grants and residencies, et cetera. So it's a task. Oh, it's a, it's a task. It's a skill. It's, it's a hustle. It's, it's an additional job for sure. I think yeah. that, you know, like at this stage, because I've been writing them for so long, I mean, I, I think I've written at least one grant every year for the past eight years. Wow. Um, it, but usually I'll write three to four, two to four in a year. But so like at this point, it's like, okay, like I've got my artist statement. I'll just update it. I'll tweak it. You know, so it doesn't take as long as, right. as it used to. But then this was the most difficult shift, I think, expanding my work past photography and mm -hmm. being able to have the funds necessary to, right. to really explore the ideas, the larger ideas that I had in my mm -hmm. head, that, that took a lot because I had to convince folks that I could do something that I could not reflect in my portfolio, you know? So how yeah. did you do that? Oh, I got rejected <laughs> year after year. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, real talk. No, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I so yeah, no, I got rejected at least like three years in a row for all of my multi multidisciplinary sound installation types here, like bodies of work that I was looking to fund. Rejected, right. reject the public art stuff, oh. rejected, reject. Oh, please. <laughs> Getting rejected. But but then I think that that's where I was really excited about the new studio gallery invitation because I was like, ooh, at least I can like have an installation photographed and put it in my portfolio right so that it, so that I can show so there was that and then there was the solo exhibition that I did in St in St Cloud the year before so those two series those two exhibitions rather really like added to my portfolio and convinced people like okay like I see where she's going I guess right. we can trust her with these funds to like right. <laughs> this really big idea that she's written on paper. I mean, that's the Mia show coming up too, right? Mm -hmm. like, right. And which I applied for like three or four times. And they were like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're, now they're big fans. <laughs> now they're big fans. Now they're big fans. So I just have to like prove them right next Right. Yeah. Oh, you will. You yeah. will. Thank It'll be you. a great show. And then I wanted to kind of circle back on how you commented that you, you work full time. You're an artist. You're yeah. a mother. How do you manage all that? How do you do? You... <laughs> yeah, I think that a lot of it. What I'm realizing is guilt management at this point. It really is because there, there, there really isn't enough time in the day, in one single day, to do everything that I need to do. So mm -hmm. that means that I have to think about time differently. That means that I have to think about my relationships with the things that I spend my time on differently. Mm -hmm. But but at the same time, especially like anybody who has kids knows, I, I have to also create a routine around it so that it's predictable enough for my kids to not be anxious and wondering like, where's mommy and what's going on? So my job, you know, we got rid of our space, our office space when, when the pandemic hit. So I'm working from home too. And we have a very small apartment. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to buy a place right now. The market is yes. bonkers. It's so not fun. I thought That's this was fun. It's not. That's hard. 
Yeah. 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 But so it's guilt management. Cause it's so, I mean, I think that the only thing that really gets me through is my husband, like constantly reminding me that like, he's like, you have to do it. So I don't know why you're. <laughs> don't like, put it I, off. Yeah, just... <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's just like, what is this discussion about when you know you have to do it? It's like, you're trying to make everybody feel okay that you have to like go or you have to do these things. And and that's not necessary. He's just constantly trying mm-hmm. to like convince me that it's not necessary for me to try to make everybody feel okay about right. my schedule <laughs> <laughs> or the time that they get or don't get with me. You know, he's like, you're around. It's like, nobody's, everybody's good. Like, but, like, go do it. Just go. <laughs> so that support is amazing. I mean, let's amazing. just say that's incredible oh, yeah. to have that. And he's an artist too. He is. He's awesome. He's amazing. Right. He draws. And you know oh, what? That's ironic. You can't oh, draw yeah. it all on you. <laughs> I know. I'm like, babe, I want I have this idea and I want to write a grant for it, but can you just draw it for me so I can <laughs> submit? And he, you know, and I can never I can't even describe my ideas enough for him to draw anything. So that doesn't even work to my advantage. But no, he draws, um, he he draws portraits mostly and he can make shoes and design. Uh, he designed like the majority of my wardrobe this past summer and wow. made it. And yeah, so he's, he's awesome and an amazing partner and husband and father. So he's like full-time stay-at-home dad too. So, so we're all doing too much. But the fact that, so I also get distracted and jealous of him because <laughs> he can like have a baby bouncing on his lap and then be drawing. And <laughs> like, I'm just like, first of all, I can't even eat while holding the baby. Right. Right. And yeah. So how are you drawing this portrait and like bouncing, you know, 10 month old on lap. And then also like, sometimes he's crying and he's just like, yep, that'll happen. And he like, can like persist and like keep drawing. Meanwhile, I'll be in the back writing an email and I hear a whimper and I come rushing out, <laughs> you know, I get nothing done. So, you know, I blame the hormones for this. I, guilt. I'm excited I'm, for that to stop. And then I can, and then, then yes. I can be more productive. Yeah. I know. I hate to tell you though. I don't really think it does stop. I, come my on. Kid, no, it, it lessens, it lessens, but like my kids are older and they still, they'll come home late and I'm, you know, half asleep, but it's like the second the door, I mean, I, moves I know what's them or you know it's just oh. that radar is always yeah always going all right well, <laughs> hate I to burst your bubble no it's burst it's burst. <laughs> sorry it's better to know now than later though <laughs> exactly you can prepare now you can plan absolutely I, I'm a planner I'm a big planner yeah oh my gosh well I did want to touch on one thing that makes I'm going to use this word twice now as I'm about to say it makes your practice unique and that is that you produce unique photographs, um, or I shouldn't say photographs, photographic work is probably a better way to describe it. And, you know, do you ever, I'm curious, do you ever think about, oh, should I audition something? Or I really only want to work this way? I mean, it truly sets you apart. I haven't, I personally have not encountered another artist that works in photography that is not auditioning. It's funny. It's the most natural way for me to work and think. So it has crossed my mind because I'm pretty business savvy it has crossed my mind like, oh, should I audition these? Like, you know, is that, is that an avenue I want to go down? But if I'm being true to my process of making, A, I'm not organized enough to have audition work. <laughs> I'm not. I really am not. I really, I can't. I can't. I don't want anything to keep track of, right? So yeah. that's yeah. number one. Number two, I don't necessarily like 
digital prints, you know? And so then an addition would have to be like me going in the dark room and making several other things. But then when I work in the dark room, I'm typically working with some sort of alternative process. And so then it's not even an addition to print series. They're mono prints at that point anyway, because if I'm painting on the chemistry, each time I paint it on, it's, it's different. I paint mm -hmm. it on differently each time. And then like the temperature of the water is slightly different each time. So, you know, like the depth of browns for a Van Dyke will be different from like one hour to the next, you know? So, um, so there's, so even when I, even thinking of like, okay, like I'll do, this is going to be an addition of five. It's hard for me to even think of them as the same image when mm -hmm. they all come out slightly different, like, oh, this one had, you know, the glass that I used had this slight scratch on it. And I kind of love that. But then I turned the glass and the scratch is on the other side now, you know, right. on the print. And so, and I personally, I like those little mistakes, if you want to call them that, mm -hmm. you know, they talk about the artist hand and painting mm -hmm. and drawing but nobody really talks about that in photography. And so that's kind of like my mm. version of the artist. I've always liked that. And it's also why I like to paint on chemistry, why I like to work with alternative processes because you can kind of get a feel for the person behind the, the image. So maybe it's just me wanting to be seen constantly and it's a little bit mystical. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but you do have that. I mean, even in, you know, the work that we have here in the gallery and that was in the show you could see where you cut the side oh. of the photograph it was not perfect it wasn't nope. you know yep. you cut that i cut um, it it's with an exacto knife it's like a ruler and an exacto knife or it's just by hand and you know and that but that's also like a sign of but also like uh what, what's the word it's like true to my station almost right like mm -hmm. i don't have a, access to or a lot of really fancy equipment like a lot of cutters, a lot of this, that, and the other. I'm like, I work with what I've got. And so this is how it's right. like, this is how it comes, you know? And yeah. so like, I'm sure that my work will shift and change as I have access to different types of equipment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I work with the same medium format film camera that I've been using for the past 10 years. It's a Hasselblad mm -hmm. and, I, and I love it. And <laughs> it jams in the winter when it gets too cold. Actually, that I do have a funny story about that. When I was shooting the Black Quiet series, there's one image in that series that's a, a woman sitting naked in the snow on a chair in a field. I love and, that one. Yeah, well, BTW. <laughs> oh. Uh, that was one of the only images that came out from that role because my camera jammed because it was so cold outside. Oh, I no. never, I kind of hope she doesn't listen to this. I never told her that. I <laughs> did not want her. I, you know, like, how do you have somebody like nude in the snow and you're just like, I got it. You know, <laughs> first try. You're brilliant. <laughs> you're awesome. Go inside and try a few more. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I think that even when you advance in your career and maybe you have access to different cameras or whatever it is, you will still have, you know, an intimacy, a physicality in your work, because as you described earlier, that's very much part of what you do, which makes you unique as someone who works with, with or in photography. So mm -hmm. I love it. I love Good. it. I do too. And I'm glad you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not the only one. Well, that's actually the other comment I was going to say, which 
you know, your work varies in sizes slightly, but what, no matter the size, because of that, it pulls people in to get really close to your work. And, you know, I will say this, your work is beautiful when we send out JPEGs or PDFs, or I see them on the websites, but it does not, it's nothing compared to seeing it in person. And, you know, I've had some people that are very, very familiar with art in general and, you know, learning more about your art sit in the gallery and say that I never would have thought that that image looked like that unless I was sitting here and walking up and putting my nose on the glass almost. So yeah, that's so funny because it, it, because I don't work in digital photography necessarily, right. Even, mm -hmm. even when I have to print a, a, an image digitally, there is that cutting or I haven't, I don't necessarily work in Photoshop or do any kind of manipulations, but it never occurs to me to say, this isn't Photoshopped, you know? <laughs> it never even crosses my mind. Uh, so when the question, and the question always comes up like, oh, so like, what did you do to, you know, like create this kind of collage effect or something like that? I'm like, oh no, it's two images or it's three images or seven images, right? Like the... One, the last two that I did, which I think are going to be the last in the Relics of Home series, the one that's the house with the black waves across it. Oh, yeah. Right. Some of us didn't make it. And then, yeah, but where are you from? With the, the guy's head in the clouds, if clouds, you yeah. want to call it that. Right. Both of those were made from at least three different images, but where they had several more cuts, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the other works in that series has like, it's like one cut, or like a single, you know, shift, you know, in, in the image, like a cut. And then like the image behind was moved slightly. Mm -hmm. Those were like kind of clipped together a lot more, but I think I was trying to tell a more complex story. So maybe that's why. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, even yeah. his shoes. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, are, you can see the, I guess, I don't know if it's just the soles yep. or if it's the entire, yeah, yeah. If I'm remembering correctly. Um, yep. His shoes are, are cut off and so that you can see the cotton field behind it. And, and I think that that, that, that's, that idea is probably going to take me somewhere. I have this inquiry about uh, currency and barter system. See, this is how my brain works. This is what's going to like lead me to the series like that I do in 2023 or something. Um, so <laughs> currency, the barter system, and then labor and the history of labor and then reparations. So I'm like, okay, like what would it, what would it look like? You know, is it, is it, is it bronze plated cotton shells you know so like the the part of the plant the top of the plant that the cotton comes out I don't know what it's actually called nobody get mad at me for that but it feels <laughs> like a shell <laughs> it feels like you know like the when it's all dry and the cotton's no longer in there it feels like a shell and so I, I'm in the process of figuring how to bronze those and like what if I could go to the grocery store and like buy my groceries with this like just as like a symbol of what the what the labor of my ancestors was worth like I don't need mm -hmm. to actually make money I'm you know I'm good <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I've you know so anyway I've, I've, I have this thought and this inquiry and curiosity about currency and labor and ancestry and that kind of thing so that'll go somewhere we'll look <laughs> but, forward to that yeah but part of that was the cutting out of the shoes and you know the materiality of you know like making shoes and then the cotton fields behind etc cetera, etc cetera. so well, right lots of origin stories yeah I know well I like that how you said it where cutting away the shoes and looking into or back into the cotton fields which is exactly like what your work is trying to do we're cutting stuff away to look into the past and acknowledge things or exactly or, I don't want to say put things to rest but you know that type of, of thing so I had no 
not thought about your work quite like that with that yeah. exact reference. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for being here. You're a delight as always. Love chatting with you and looking forward to your show this summer, July 24th to August 28th. So that'll be exciting. I can't wait to see the new work. So everyone else, um, be sure to rate our podcast and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you would like to know more about Jovan and Aspect Ratio Projects, please visit our website and subscribe to our newsletter to receive up-to-date information on all of our artists, shows, and projects. Thanks so much. Bye.